0: You. And also with you let us pray O oh God may the light of your love always shine and help us as your people to embrace it and to share it amen as I mentioned earlier in this season of epiphany we consider how Jesus has appeared among us that the one who is the word who was made flesh and lived among us But we not only consider his appearance, we also consider how people reacted to his appearance, to his coming. And as we consider how others reacted, we're also challenged to consider how we react to Jesus being among us. This morning I want to look at some different people, um, how they reacted to the coming of Jesus from this very familiar story in Matthew. But first I want to lift up and consider some of the people that really aren't the main focus, at least how we have learned that story. Now, before we get to the wise men, I'd like to consider some of the people that the wise men go to when they first get word about Jesus. They've made their way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the center of the Jewish religious leadership, also the home of the king of Judea. When they arrived, they asked, Where is the child who's been born king of the Jews? For we've observed his star at his rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. Frightened, agitated, stirred up in the mind. Why would a king, why would a whole city be afraid of a baby of all people? This king, this king is Herod. He was known as Herod the Great. There are like five or six Herods in the New Testament. This is the first one, Herod the Great. He had been ruling as governor over the province, the area that we know as Judea, for about 30 years before Jesus was born. Early on in his reign, he earned the title, was given the title, King of the Jews. And he guarded that title very zealously Anyone who might be seen as a threat to him as king of the Jews, he knew how to get rid of them. Actually, he had ordered the assassination of some of his own sons. So when these foreigners, these wise men, come to town with this news that a a child has been born king of the Jews, of course his fear kicks in. And he's determined to do what he was pretty good at doing in regard to his rivals. Later on in that reading, it says that Herod says, Well, y'all come and tell me where you found this this child, so I want to go and worship him too. Now, of course, we know that Herod isn't telling the truth there. We know what Herod wants to do to this baby. Well, the wise men go another way. They don't come back to Jerusalem. And when Herod finds that out, let's just say he's really mad. He orders the the killing of... Of all the children under the ages of two, in and around Bethlehem, it's an event known as the slaughter of the innocents. Of course, the daddy of Jesus, Joseph, finds out in a dream this is going to happen. So they take Jesus, Mary and Joseph and Jesus leave, and they live as refugees in a foreign land because of the threats violence of the king. They live as refugees because of violence in their homeland. There's some parallels to that today, isn't there? Anyway, finally though, they come back after Herod dies. But it's not just Herod who reacts with fear. Matthew says that all of Jerusalem is afraid. Now, I don't know that Matthew literally means every single person all throughout Jerusalem. Here's what I'm thinking Matthew means. Jerusalem is the center of the religious worship. That he means all the leadership of the people, of the Jewish people. They are afraid. Why might they be afraid? Well, these are the scribes. These are the scholars. These are the ones who are closest to God because they know God's word better than anybody else. So, of course, they should be the ones who would know when the Messiah has come. And here comes these foreigners who we're going to talk about a little bit. Here comes these foreigners saying that they know that the child has been born who is going to be the king, the Messiah. Maybe they're afraid because they know that if that's true, then they're really not in control after all. But certainly that can't be true because these people that come are foreigners. Maybe they're afraid because their control might be slipping. But now I want to focus on the ones that we remember today. We call them the three wise men. Well we sang that they were the three kings Well, we don't know that there were three of them. I guess the number three came down because there's three gifts that are given. But we don't know, really, how many they are. Some traditions say that there were 12 of them. But they, and they aren't kings, they're magi. Magi can be translated wise men. We get the word magic from there. And here's the thing about these guys, these magi. They are priests... In the religion known as Zoroastrianism, I think I said that right. Shut up, John. Zoroasterism. It was a religion that had started in the East several centuries before Jesus came along, and it's still practiced in the East, most notably in India. The role of the priests, the magi, in this religion, including telling fortunes, interpreting dreams, and reading stars, these stars. Maybe that's why they are known as wise, because they could do this. Now, there's, there's some folks that, scientists and scholars and such, that always have tried to figure out which star it was or whatever it was that they came And I don't know if anybody really knows. But what I would want to point out about this is that the Magi were astrologers. And they were leaders of a religious faith other than the faith that we have descended from, from the Jewish faith. In other words, some might say that these magi come from the wrong religion. And not only did they come from the wrong religion, they also did things that, quite frankly, I grew up thinking were wrong in themselves. I guess I learned it in church. I guess I learned that growing up that astrology was something you did not do. Fortune-telling was stuff that you just don't do. Now, about interpreting dreams, my wife's not here today, so I can say this. I can't speak against dream interpretation because my wife goes to a dream group every week on Thursday night downtown somewhere, and they all have a big time talking about their dreams and interpreting I don't know what they do, so I can't talk against it. But it's not something that I'm real comfortable in. I guess because it's much more mysterious and unknown than I know about faith. And yet, these magi are the ones who come to worship the one who is born the king of the Jews, they follow the star. They listened to the scripture from the religious scribes about that the babe would be born in this little nowhere place called Bethlehem. They follow the star some more. And then when they get there, they react in a whole different way than the religious leaders did. And certainly Herod did. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. Literally, that that sentence is translated, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. A boundless joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They knelt down and paid him homage. They worshipped him. These kings worshipped a baby. They opened up their treasure chests, gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And I don't want to get those are very expensive and very symbolic gifts that they give to Jesus. Very different reaction than fear. Even how later on people would react with fear. Our story ends with the wise men being told in a dream not to go back to Herod, even though he said to go. Instead, it said that they went home by another road. I wonder if Matthew is, he's probably being literal here, but maybe figurative. Literally, yes, don't go to Jerusalem and see Herod, go another way, but also maybe figuratively in the sense of going home another road, in other words, living in another way is people who worship Jesus Now I want to have us consider something. This morning we read of some people from a different religion. Oh, wait a minute. I skipped something. Should I fall down now? <laughs> yeah. Sorry about this, y'all. Justin can tell you it happens all the time. (laughs) It's about fear. Some of these men react with fear. And later on, others will react with fear. The first disciples of Jesus, if you keep reading in Matthew, it says that when when Jesus first appears to Peter, um, he he has a whole bunch of fish that jump into a, a ship a boat, and, and Peter is so scared, he says, please go away from me. I am unworthy for you to be here. They are afraid. All throughout Scripture, people are afraid of Jesus by what he says and what he does. And it doesn't just take um, people in Scripture to be afraid of what Jesus says and does. Because I know that Jesus bothers me a lot. The demands he can place upon our lives, they can be very scary. Later on in this season of Epiphany, one week I'm going to be reading. We're going to be reading in Luke, and we're going to hear Jesus say this. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Then the very next week, we're going to hear Jesus say this. I say to you that, listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. And then the very next week, we're going to read this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Those are just a few of the quotes from Jesus coming up in the next few weeks. Those quotes scare me, unless, of course, I want to ignore them or help us explain them away. Because Jesus is never letting us be in control. These men who come that are afraid of Jesus... They want control, and Jesus won't let them, but then these wise men, these foreigners, these people of the wrong religion who practice these things that I know I was raised to not do, they worship, they go home by another road. Now I'd like to have us consider something. We read about these people from a religion that's not our own, engaging in practices that most of us probably think you're not supposed to do, yet they find their way to Jesus. I wonder what message there might be in that for us as this church, as people of this day and age. I wonder if there might be a place in the life of the church for something other than the practices of faith that we know from the things we've always done. I wonder how well we might consider voices of people who think differently than most of us, who act differently, who live out their faith differently. I wonder if we might make room for such folk. I wonder how well we might make room for people who are different than us, period. I wonder if we could be okay in being okay with the unknown. I hope you got a copy of a letter that I sent out this past week. If you didn't, please let Kim know. She'll get it to you real quick. And in it, I asked our folks to be thinking on two questions over the next couple weeks, which would be today and then next Sunday. Because next Sunday after worship, like I mentioned, we're going to gather for a, not a snack, but a lunch. And then we're going to talk about two things. And here are the two questions that have been asked for us to engage in. Where would you like to see Highland Christian Church in five years? And how do you see us getting there? I'll confess to you, I have no idea how this meeting will go. I'm hoping you'll come with your own ideas and spend a little bit of time this coming week to to address those questions in your own mind. And by you, I mean everybody. And by everybody, I mean everybody. Here's what I'm nervous about. The church I was in before I came here, the church in Knoxville, we did something similar to this. I think it was though about 10 years from now. And I've forgotten most of it. But what I remember from the results of that was basically what got turned in, and they did it, you know, I don't remember how they did it. I just remember the final list was doing all the things we've always done, but then in 10 years, lots more people are there. Like, I remember one was Vacation Bible School, which was fledging in Knoxville. 300 people. And all I did, I remember, I just was tired in hearing that, because it was the same old, same old, but more of it. And of course, the people that we probably had in our mind were people who would be like us. None of that stuff that got suggested at those that church meeting back in Knoxville, I don't think we ever did any of it. A few years after I moved up here, that church sold. Now it's being reconverted into condos, I think, or art center or something. It's really pretty building, though. They moved somewhere else, bought another church, and from what I hear, it's it's gonna die. I think some of it was because that church still wanted to be in control of how things would turn out. So I'm nervous. But I will say this, my hope is that as we think on these questions this week, and I hope you'll come next Sunday with ideas to share, we will have a lunch. My hope is that we will remember these magi who come today. These people with a very different experience than our experience. These folks, though, come to worship Jesus Very much outsiders, but very much people who love God. I hope you'll come next week. But let's remember, I'm nervous, but I'm hopeful, and I'm not fearful. We don't need to fear because we know that God goes with us. Thanks be to God for grace and love. Amen.